When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One for podcasting. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring Happy Mondays with two-for-one Happy CBD Cocktails, this is Des Moines Sports Station. 106 point. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, now we're number two. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, as we are uh, with you here until, well, for another hour. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, thereabouts, Nick Olson, 24-7 SportsCycloneAlert.com will join us. Working on Rob Doster, uh, having trouble connecting with him, at least for the time being. Trent, one of the uh, things in the Super Bowl we never talked about, just... Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. If you watch enough football, you'll see everything once. I don't recall ever seeing this, or especially in a big game, where a guy who was um, uh, not on the active roster decides to insert himself in the game, and I'm talking about Vernon Hargraves, who comes running out onto the field, uh, and he's inactive. I mean, what is he thinking when, uh, when, when he made that, I guess, best way to describe it is boneheaded decision, right, after the Bates interception. Not only that, but maybe the most egregious part of it is he's wearing socks with sandals. I mean, what a terrible look <laughs> on the sidelines there out of Hargraves. No, I just, yeah, it, it, you watch sports long enough, you're going right. to see everything right, and there's yet another one. You cross off the list. And to do it I mean, in the Super Bowl, on top of it, it's just absolutely crazy for something like that to happen, for it to play out in that direction. Yet, here we are once again. But, I don't know. Is it flaggable? Yes, because he wasn't in the periphery. He wasn't in the like the outside of the of the celebration. Right. He was right in the middle of it for crying out loud! It's just <laughs> and it was in the middle of the field. If it was over towards the sideline, yeah, right in the middle of the end zone. Understand a little bit more. Right, he just sprints out there in his sandals and socks, looking like a goober, and on top of it uh, yeah, to make that play. I don't think it mattered. No, but that one was was one. No, it so, was. So I got a question for you. All right, Rob Doss you... is on hold, so fire away. Okay. We'll get to it a little later. We'll, right. we'll get to it at the end when I make my picks for the day. Uh, your circle plays of the day. But save it, write it down. I do want to answer, want to hear it. Rob Doster joins us. Yeah. Uh, is a field of 68 is where you can see him and the cast of characters uh, following, uh, well, each and every night of college basketball. Rob Trenton, Ken, thanks for popping on. How are you, Rob Doster? I'm good, but now I'm dying to know what Trent was talking about. Yeah, right. A little tease. <laughs> oh, I was just, I was just gonna, yeah, I was just gonna ask him a little bit about some betting things that, well, we like to get late in the show, so yeah, it, we'll get to that later on. But Doster, we know your love for uh, wagering. How did your Super Bowl go? Did you make some money on Super Bowl Fifty Six? Uh, I would have made a lot of money if uh, I needed two things to happen. I needed Cooper Cup to get eight more yards, mm. uh, and I needed. The um, the Bengals to win. I, I I'm more or less broke even, and I think I was down like forty bucks or something. But 
Um, uh, if the Bengals had won and Coop or Cooper Cup had gotten eight more yards, I would have uh, I would have been buying everybody dinner. Well, it was a fun game, no doubt about it. Uh, gambling adds so much. I can't wait to see the number because I just look. I I think that seven point six. I think was the estimate that was going to be wagered. I'll be shocked if it doesn't do every bit of that. And I think here in the state of Iowa, it is going to blow away what we did last year. Well, let's talk basketball with you since we last spoke. It's been a week. Um, I want to start with Purdue with you because I made the comment Oh, late in the week that, um, man, I'm not, before the Michigan game, certainly, I said to Trent, I, I think I can make a case that Purdue can run the table in the Big Ten. Well, they get blown up by Michigan, and then a hair on fire uh, against a team in Maryland who I would just beat the crap out of earlier in the week. Maryland should have escaped with a win. They didn't. Purdue survived. Where are you with this Purdue team? What has gone wrong this week? I, I don't trust them. My biggest issue is that I don't think they, they guard at all. I don't think that they are a good defensive team. I think they are actually, uh, for a team that is projected to be a top seed, they are uh, legitimately a bad defense for what you would expect out of a group that's that good. They are worse defensively this year than what Iowa was last year. And we spent all last mm-hmm. season talking about how we cannot trust Iowa in the tournament because they're not good enough on the defensive end before. And Purdue is worse. They are right now. 116th in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency uh, rankings. Do you know who the worst team was heading into the NCAA tournament, um, the, the lowest-ranked team in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency rankings? It was North Carolina in 2009. They were 39. In 2015, Jeez. Duke was 37. Purdue is 116. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They, like, they, they are – they let – uh, they let um, Xavier Johnson and Rob Finnessy look like the best backcourt in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They let uh, they let um, Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks look like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like they they cannot guard people on the perimeter. And Zach Eady, as good as he is, as effective as he is, as much as I love watching that dude play, he is not good in ball screens. They they, they are a mess on that end of the floor. And there's going to be plenty of nights where they go off and they hit their threes and Jaden Ivey's doing his thing and nobody could stop Edie or Trevion. Uh, and Mason Gillis is banging jumpers and Isaiah Thompson is banging jumpers. Um, and Sasha Stavanovich is running off those screens. There's going to be plenty of nights where they score enough points that it won't matter. But what's going to happen is when they have a night where they play like they did at Michigan and they shoot like four for 20 from three, um, there's going to be nights where they just look horrendous, and uh, and and that's because they can't get stops. They have to be great offensively to be able to win games against good teams, and they're not. It's just it's impossible to not be great or to be great offensively every single night. You're going to have a bad night, and when they have a bad night, what's going to happen? They can't win another way. Speaking of awful, the Big Ten, the two decade now futility of winning it all, and that's the ultimate prize. We've seen a lot of teams get there, play for that championship, ultimately not cut down the nets. Are we looking at yet another year where the Big Ten is not going to win that ultimate prize because you cross Purdue off because of those defense? Wisconsin, Johnny Davis is great. That team's not winning at all and winning six straight. Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois maybe, but are we just looking at another year? A lot of good teams, nobody good enough to win it all, though. Uh, I mean, look, I think that there's some other teams that can can win a national title in that, that conference. Um, you know, I, I would not be surprised to see, 
to, to see Illinois find a way to get it done. I think Wisconsin is good enough that they can they can um, make a run. You know, it's just it's there's to me there's no elite teams anywhere in college basketball right now, right? Like I don't think that that's that's necessarily a hot take to say either. Mm-hmm. There's 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 a lot of really really good teams, and everybody that you look at, you can kind of poke holes in them and say. Okay, I don't think that that team's good enough. I don't think that this team's good enough. I don't think that this team's good enough. This is why this team can't do it. So it's yes, there's there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are not quite as good as we expect them to be. Um, there's also a lot of teams around the country that are not quite as good as we necessarily expected them to be. Except for maybe Gonzaga. Gonzaga might just mm-hmm. this might be the year where they go out and they they win every game in the tournament by 35. Uh, <laughs> the gap in the gap in efficiency margin right now between them and everybody else is bigger than it was last season. Hmm. And last season, we thought that they were going to run, run away with everything. So um, we'll see, man. We'll see. Chet Holmgren's figured it out for them. They're, yep. they're, beating, they're, they're beating the brakes off of some teams that, uh, that the metrics will tell you are really good in the WCC. So uh, we'll, we'll see, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, an interesting, um, interesting thing coming down. They, I'll tell you this. All I want in the world, basketball gods, please, do this one thing for me. I've never asked for all that much from you guys. I need one thing. I need a West uh, West Region final between Gonzaga and Arizona for the right to get to the Final Four. That's all I ask. That's all I want in the world. Well, the guy's got some. Um, I, I'm not sure I want to see that from a guy's got Gonzaga. Anyways, uh, the team that took, knocked, knocked uh, the Zags off last year, of course, was Baylor, and that was a huge loss. Uh, Chamba Chachua going down, and and it's season ending. What does this do to Baylor's hopes of repeating? I mean, it was going to be tough, obviously, anyways. But is this a death knell for them? I don't know if it's a death, but I mean, this this is going to be a tough one to come back from um, for a couple of reasons. But I think the biggest one uh, is that you're going to have to kind of rebuild who you are without Chamachacho in there. You know, Baylor was a team that basically went eight deep. Um, and they've been fighting to try to get LJ Cryer back and try to get Adam Slagler back and trying to get these guys back to allow them to do what they want to do offensively and space the floor and do all of those good things. Uh, Chamachacho is the guy that they wanted to space the floor for. Um, he is as good of a rim runner, as good of a lob target as anybody in college basketball. Um, he's the guy that allowed them to switch everything on the defensive end of the floor. Um, he played a very specific uh, role for that group, and not having him there means you're going to have to try to figure something else out. Are you going to put Zach Loveday out there? I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know if he's going to be good enough right away. Are you going to? Uh, are, are you going to try to put like Kendall Brown or Jeremy Sohan at the spot? Like you're, you're going to have to change what you do. And at this point in the season, mm-hmm. the worst thing that you could try to have to do is change what you do. You want to be tinkering with stuff, right? You want to say, okay, um, we're going to do this, but instead of having this guy cut here on this play, we're going to have him go here. We're going to add this uh, this counter, and we're, we're we're going to tweak some of the things that we do. Um, you don't want to have to reinvent the wheel when you are three weeks away from. Uh, from Mark starting, it's just it's a bad spot to be, and I think that's what uh, Baylor is going to have to do right now. Now, look, Scott Drew, Scott Drew's a genius, man. Like he's he's probably going to find a way to make something happen here, and they have enough really good guards, and they're going to be good enough defensively. And Flo Thamba is still there, uh, but this this is not this is this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I mean, look, that that dude is the heart and soul of what they do, right? He's the guy that sets the tone for that program, and not having him there rough 
that's rough. Rob Doster joining us as we talk college basketball. All right, Rob, let's uh, stay in the Big 12 and got to bring the question up once again. Iowa State, a 15-point lead dissipates in the second half at home against Kansas State. The team with the worst ever record, at least in terms of win percentage, in a conference was Iowa State to make the NCAA tournament back in 1992. They went 5-9 and nine in the Big 8 and still got in as a number 10 seed. The question is, even at Six and twelve in conference play. They got those quad one victories. Will that be enough in a bubble that doesn't look great this year? Does Iowa State still have a chance, even with a record like that in the Big Twelve? I mean, they do, man. They're like, look at look at some of these other teams um, around the country right now that are trying to get into the tournament, right? Like, how many are getting in from the Pac twelve? We're probably talking about three. Oregon just lost by a million, yeah. Now, right. Um, the Mountain West looks like a four-bid league. But the WCC, like BYU, fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. San Francisco just lost to Portland. Um, Santa Clara is not getting to the tournament. Like, there, there's, there's – there's the, the WCC looks like it might end up being a, a two- or three-bid league at most instead of a four-bid league. Um, the Americans, I, that, that's the one where, you know, Memphis getting a win over Houston and SMU getting a win over Houston and Houston having enough computer numbers that they should be able to get into the tournament regardless. Like, that's going to be a little bit of a complicated one. Um, but I, I really do think that um, Iowa State, like, you you got to get to, like, six or seven wins, right? They should be able to do that. If you finish with, like, four wins, I don't think that you can put them in. Right. But if you get to seven, I think that Iowa State's got a real shot to get in the tournament. And that's, I mean, a lot of it is just, like, look, Everybody in the Big 12 is good. Everybody in that conference is really, really good. There's no bad losses. You're not taking your resume anywhere. And at the end of the day, like if you lose a road game to a team ranked in the top 50, the committee's not going to knock you for that. But you got to get enough wins to be able to, to, to justify it. And so I, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But um, I, I, think, uh, I, I think what Iowa State really is has kind of come to the forefront a little bit yeah. in the season. Their metrics are going to look great, but that's, that's a team that still feels like they're probably a year away from from really getting there, and, and I hope that doesn't come off as me saying like, "Oh, TJ's not doing a good job," or "Austin." No one expected right. them to be any. Who, who thought they'd be anywhere near the bubble? We, nope. we, we, no one thought we'd even be having this conversation. Nope, totally agree with you. Uh, built expectations up. That's the only, I guess, pitfall. You know, when you, they built them all that high with going unbeaten in the non-con and then uh, to go the way it has in the conference play. But, uh, yes, you're 100% right. Everybody would have signed for this, I mean, in Cyclone Nation. Here's a team I want to ask you about, Rob, because uh, Rutgers has now beat three straight top 25 teams. Two of them... I would say convincingly, the Wisconsin game wasn't much of there wasn't much drama in that at the end. They clobbered Michigan State and snuck by uh, Ohio State. Uh, the Wisconsin game uh, was in Madison, huge win. So what about Rutgers, who you know now finds themselves in a pretty good spot at least record wise uh, at nine and five? I think they're sixth in conference right now, but still some work to do despite that shiny Big Ten resume. Yeah, I think they still have a lot to do you know the loss to Lafayette that they have on their their uh their resume right now is the single worst loss that anybody um in the uh anywhere near the bubble is going to have they, they lost to a team ranked outside the top 300 at home you cannot do that that is a horrible 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 loss they lost to uh they lost at UMass right I think they have two quad three and one quad four losses that that's that's a bad that's a bad combination of things that is a really bad combination of things if you're trying to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, but I will say this. 
they have plenty of opportunities to find a way to get it done moving forward, right? Look at their schedule. Like, yeah, like they're, they're, they, if they're going to be a tournament team. Um, so who, they, they, they ran through, they just got to win at uh, Wisconsin. Now they go uh, Illinois, Purdue, Illinois at home, Purdue on the road, Michigan on the road, Wisconsin at home. That's their next four. And at Indiana. And, at, and Indiana, right. Like, look, they're, if they want to be in the tournament, right, they're probably going to have to win three of those mm-hmm. games, I would say. I, I think you want to go four and two down the stretch. With the bad losses, that you know, they have six quad one wins. They've also lost. We'll, we'll read them off right now. They've lost at DePaul. They lost Lafayette at home. They lost at UMass. Uh, they lost at Penn State. They lost at Minnesota. Those are bad losses. They lost at home to Maryland. Those are bad losses. Um, and those things are starting to pile up. But they've also beaten Purdue at home. They also beat Iowa at home. They also beat Michigan State at home. They beat Ohio State at home. And to cap it all off, they won at Wisconsin on Saturday, which is, is, is proof that it's not just uh, playing at the rack. Which, by the way, is a crazier environment than I think people realize. When you have a bunch of poly D's and, uh, and the situation sitting there screaming at you at the top of their lungs, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an event. It, it, it's interesting there. But, um, yeah, they, they, they have work they need to get done still. Which is crazy to think of. Like you just reeled off those three wins, and you still have work to do. Right. That's how bad Rutgers was in November. Good. Rob, we've talked a lot about the WCC four bids possibility there. The Mountain West, keep an eye on that. We can watch it. It's on CBS Sports Network. You can see those games. I don't see much Ohio Valley basketball though. Murray State, a great program, on their way to the MVC here pretty soon, but. I know absolutely nothing about this racer team, so fill me in because I know they're going to be a team that people are going to be maybe advancing in their brackets, want to know a little bit more. Tell us about the racers. They're they're really, really good. Like, they are legit good. This is not just something where people are hyping up a mid-major because they got a bunch of wins. Um, they have three different guys on their roster that have scored more than 30 points in a game this season. Uh, they went on the road this week, and they won at Tennessee State, which is a much tougher place than I think people realize to play, and at Moorhead State, and Moorhead is a top 100 team in the country. Both those those games, they were down in the first half, came back and won. Uh, their star is probably this kid named Tevin Brown, who's like this six foot five wing that can literally do it all. We uh, we had Matt McMahon on um, on After Dark the other day, and he said that this kid he's different than than John Campaign because he's not really a point guard but he's just as talented and just as dangerous with the ball in his hand. Uh, they got a kid named K.J. Williams, who's 6'10", 245, um, scored 31 points in the second half on Thursday at Tennessee State. Uh, they got a kid named Justice Hill, who scored 36 points earlier on this season. They won at Memphis. Right? This, this team is legit. They are. I, I do think that they, if they get in the tournament, they're good enough to go out and win a game because they got Duke. And I know that sounds simple, but they have three different guys that can win any game for them any night of the week. And when you have three guys that can beat you at the mid-major level, that makes you really, really dangerous. And I think their computer numbers are good enough. Like, they, they might end up being like a, a seven or eight seed. If they went out and they beat Belmont at home and they'd go and, and they win the, the OVC tournament title, like, they could very well be like a seven seed. You do not want to see them in the second round if you are, uh, if you are a, a number two seed. Like, with those guards and those playmakers, imagine if those guys went up against, uh, went up against Purdue. Hmm. That, that could be a really, really dangerous matchup for Purdue. Hmm. And that could happen, too. Good. Rob Duster, as always, great stuff. Uh, appreciate this conversation on a weekly basis. Have a wonderful week. Field of 68 uh, after dark is, is terrific. Uh, what time do you guys finally wrap it up? Like on a Saturday night when you guys are doing your recap, you get on late. What time do you sign off? 
normally around uh, like around twelve twenty or twelve twenty five. That we, so we do the, the a live show for an hour called yep. After Dark, yeah. And then we do the afters, which is not on Sirius XM. That's just on uh, that's just on the YouTube stream. Um, and by the time uh, we're done, it's normally about twelve twenty, twelve twenty five. But two 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 weekends ago, when UCLA went to triple overtime, right. we had like three hundred people in the chat kept saying, no, don't go anywhere. We want to watch the end of the game with you. So we were on until about one fifteen in the morning Eastern time, which was just the, the, the longest marathon in the history of uh, the history of live shows. Well, but, hey, we got it done. You got a tiger by the tail there, Rob Doster. It's a, it's a terrific uh, stop on Twitter. Field of 68. Rob Doster, we'll talk a to you next week. tiger by the tail. Is that what you talk about with Trent when, uh, <laughs> when Trent starts giving you a losing bet? Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Thank you, Rob. Talk Nothing to you next winners, week. Doster. See you later. Rob Doster. Uh, Field of 68. That's, that's such a great, great service on Twitter. It's free. Check it out. It is. It's a great wrap-up. Yeah. You get big-time names Educational, in there. I mean, Trent. You know. Yes. And it's not just about... And there's so many angles that they take, too. You get the basketball perspective from former players. You get the coaching perspective with former coaches, the Millers. You see Steve Prome on there. And then you also get, for people like me, the betting part of it, too. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of kind of the analytical analysis, too. It, it kind of hits every part of college basketball fandom. And, well, with football over now, Ken, it is college hoops here now for the next month and a half. Indeed. And, and you can't get anything by them. I mean, Wagner Seahawks, they are 13-1 and one in the Northeast <laughs> Conference. I'll guarantee you can name the starting five and the first kid off the bench, which is just remarkable. Right. Uh, we'll take our time out. Before we do that, though, it's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, enter the keyword happy, happy at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Well, the uh, Otz's Hoopsters could certainly make their fan base happy if they were to go on the road and beat TCU and put one in the win column. It's Iowa State and TCU tomorrow night. Uh, TJ has met with the media earlier this morning, and Nick Olson was part of it, and he will join us next. It's Des Moines Sports Station, uh, 106.3 in West Des Moines. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back. 1135 Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Nick Olson momentarily. Uh, as many baseball fans have uh, tweeted out after the game last night, uh, the Super Bowl ended at 9 o'clock. If this was Game 7 of the World Series, we'd be in about the top of the third, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, right? Something has to be done. Super Bowls over at 9, Game 7 World Series. Uh, there's a man on, nobody out, top of the third inning. Uh, let's get to Nick Oson, CycloneAlert.com. TJ's weekly press conference is in the rearview mirror. Nick joins us. Hello, Nick. Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing very well today, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, Otz's uh, press conference, anything, your biggest takeaway from it this morning was what? I'm going to give you two. I think okay. that, you know, one that he, one thing he really stressed, was there really is not a margin for error for these guys anymore. Not that there has been a ton recently, but that's a major quote. I kind of asked him about something he said Saturday, and, and that was a major part of it. And then I also I just wouldn't be shocked if they continue to tweak with that starting lineup. Uh, we had reported that Inaruna would be out of it Saturday, which he was. Obviously, mm-hmm. they put in Jazz Coons, major success from behind the arc. And I wouldn't be shocked if they still kind of tinker with that four position, even down low, potentially at the five later on. They're just trying to find a consistent lineup that's going to work. 
and get those very much needed three, maybe four victories to squeak into the dance. You know, they've been trying to go a little bit deeper into the bench. We've seen some Trey Jackson, a little Jaden Walker doing those kind of things. Is there anything that excites you, anything that gives you hope out of the forgotten guys, if you will, that can give them a good 8, 10, 12 minutes a game, or is it just that, some filler and trying to get the regulars off their feet for a little bit and a little bit of rest? Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed with, with Jaden Walker's mm-hmm. minutes in the last week. He didn't seem, you know, like the moment was too big for him. He made a couple plays on offense and even made a nice play on the defensive end. He might not, you know, shine with his shooting or on-ball defense, but I was pretty impressed with his minutes. I think Trey Jackson really kind of rebounded well Saturday after not playing at all in the previous game. He had a gorgeous assist to, I believe it was Condit, and I always like his, his minutes and kind of short spurts. I think he's a solid backup point guard in that role. I'm with you. Uh, Anaruna didn't play. You, you broke the story. He wasn't going to be part of the uh, starting rotation uh, this past week. We've seen him on the bench in pain, and he's got that uh, machine. That I think it's a, a muscle spasm. Or it's, it's obviously there's something there. Is or is there? Uh, is this? Um, is TJ not happy with his effort? Is it injury related? Not only did he not start, he didn't see the floor. What's going on there? Yeah, I don't believe that was injury related at all. I think it was honestly very similar to what happened to Trey Jackson after the Texas game. I know that TJ was not happy with you know Tristan kind of overall. Um, after the last game, but certainly about one play where he really didn't seem to make an effort to go to the ball really at all. You could kind of read it, and as as it was going back into the backcourt, he just didn't make an effort on it. I think that had a major reason to do with his benching, but like I said, I don't think that's going to be a long-term thing. He's clearly trying to send a message to these guys that have done so much, especially early in the season, and just are kind of you know, crawling toward this finish line where there's still a lot that can be achieved in these next two to three weeks when you look at the bubble. There's frustration, no doubt, Nick. There's got to be frustration in there. Do you feel that seeping through, talking to the players, talking to Ots? Do you feel that frustration, or is it just still going to the grind, going to work every day and and hoping and working to make things get better? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think Saturday was probably the first time I saw it in person, and and I think that totally makes sense because, as you guys saw, they they should have had that game in their hands. It would have been a nice win at home. They were really playing some good basketball, especially in that first half. You could kind of see it. I haven't seen a, you know, kind of fueled and terse uh, TJ as much as I did on Saturday in the postgame, but... I don't expect these guys to lay down at all. I mean, the mental toughness of guys like Brockington and Condit and even Koontz, who I've been you know, impressed with both on and off the floor. Am I, am I picking a win necessarily tomorrow? We'll see. But I think they get at least one win this week. I think they're going to take this as deep as they can towards Selection Sunday because they know that what they did was so impressive in the non-conference, and I don't think they're just going to fall just because things have gotten tough, although the schedule should have cleared up a little bit for them by now, and that's a bit discouraging. Uh, Nick Olson is our guest. Nick, I think the biggest news that came out of uh, the athletic department at Iowa State this past weekend, uh, and honestly it floored me because Matt Campbell, look, they've got a TV network. He won't even put uh, the the uh, spring practice or whatever you call the spring game, whatever they end up doing there. He won't even show any of it yet. 
This year, there's going to be three open practices, uh, three different high schools, Ames, Gilbert, and then they're going to come to Des Moines East on three successive Friday nights. This is so unlike Matt Campbell. And I think, honestly, although the fan base wouldn't say it because they think whatever he does is the right decision and far be it for them to criticize Matt Campbell because he's beyond reproach to them. But the fact that he does so everything um, in, in such a clandestine matter the fact that he's doing this, uh, pat on the back, tip of the cap for him. What's behind this? Yeah, this is something that, honestly, I think floored a lot of us in, in the media. Certainly unexpected. It's an interesting thing, especially with his personality, kind of how he handles himself at, at press conferences, as you mentioned, like on the, on the TV side. I think they're going so hard with this five-star culture, right, with with the Cyclones in this program. And I think it's just simply an opportunity to get out more in the community, to get some outreach and give people a chance to see front and center kind of what this program is about. I mean, especially after a year where you're losing so many big names, Mm -hmm. right, like a Brees Hall, Brock Purdy, Mike Rose. I've told you guys on this show, I think the recruiting classes for 2022-2023 are going to be very strong. But I think it's mainly an opportunity for the public to get kind of familiar to realize this culture is legit. And just because these names have gone doesn't mean that the success of the program is going to go anywhere necessarily too quickly. Well, it's certainly going to be a new-looking team, though the couple of big names coming back for next season. It's a big turnover in the roster coming up for 2022 and new for you on the beat. So what are you looking to learn here outside of just getting to know the names and some of the stories in the background? What's kind of your game plan going into your first spring practice covering Iowa state football? Yeah, it's an exciting time. I got to kind of experience my first scholarship commitment over the weekend, obviously. Yeah. With Rhodes, right? It'll be a lot. Yeah. Yep. It'll be a lot more kind of recruiting coverage in the next couple weeks. And then with spring practices, I'm, I'm lucky to have been able to kind of familiarize myself with some of the coaching staff, obviously a lot of the players, but really to just see kind of how they operate and more so X's and O's front and center because, you know, my only experience with that sense in a football beat has been with the Wisconsin Badgers and obviously a lot of different kind of things that go into it with both teams and programs. So I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm still very focused on the basketball season, mm-hmm. but that's going to be a great opportunity both for me and Cyclone Alert, because we all know how big football is around here, certainly. No doubt about it. So last thing before we let you out of here, uh, Nick Olson with us. Tell us about that recruit. Uh, big kid, six foot seven. Uh, what 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 are they forecast? What's he going to do? He's a tight end, right? Is that where he stays? Is there any um, maybe desire to move him on the, the defensive side of the ball? Is he going to be an offensive lineman once he finishes growing? What's his future? Really great kid. I got to speak with him Friday, uh, touch base with him Saturday. I think that as of right now, it's still pretty open, both from what I've heard and from what he has told me. But if I were to forecast, I would figure if his body can can grow and handle extra weight, extra mass, I do believe he's going to potentially end up on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best shot he has to actually get a lot of playing time, I would say. But he's just a an athletic kid, big kid, like you said, and somebody that's really taken a lot of pride in being the first commit for this class. And I think that at least the local fans and the Cyclones are pretty excited to have a kid like this leading it. I'm going to be excited to watch 
how he grows both on and off the field within the program. Nick Olson, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com, football coming, still focused on basketball as uh, we certainly are a big week for Iowa State as they try to put one in the uh, win column. Nick, great stuff. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Nick Olson. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yep, good to talk to you. Nick Olson, 24-7 Sports. Trent, honestly, that, that announcement almost floored me. Uh, that that Matt Campbell yes. is going to allow, he's going to pull the curtain back. Now, is this all a, pro- a product of you know we lose so damn many kids? We sold out the building, um, you know, all of those season tickets. Don't want to lose some of the. Yes, the season wasn't the way most anticipated it would go, but this is kind of an opportunity to um, you know just don't write us off. Learn about these kids. Come watch us. Uh, don't forget about us when you get that notice to re-up your season tickets. I don't know what is behind it. Whatever's behind it is welcome news. I think all those things are a big part of it, too, and just continuing to tap into the resources you have around central Iowa. Just think back of, you know, back when you started 25 years ago, and there would be a kid or two that'd be D1 kids. Well, think of now the sheer volume you have of D1 kids in this area. And we're talking of upwards of 20 guys each and every year across the state that are getting D1 scholarships. And not always just at Iowa and Iowa State. Bigger programs, smaller programs, those kind of things. I think it's about continuing to cultivate those relationships. I think that's a big piece of it, too. And coming here to East High and going that route, and you're going to have, I'm sure, kids from all over the area that are going to make their way over, get invited over to watch practice. I remember that was something that happened when Iowa, when they did the practices over Valley Stadium. It was huge. Yeah, it was it was the same kind of thing, and you saw high school kids all over. Not Valley kids, kids from across the city that were there watching the practice, and I think that's a big part of what they're working to do as well. Trends play of the day, Circus Sports sponsors, kind of a light night as far as good matchups in uh, in college basketball, but um, I'm sure he'll have something. By the way, nice hit on Circus Squares. Well done. Yeah, I got my first square in wow. there. That was great. It could have been a monster day for the accounts of Van Jefferson – that touchdown that he was wide open late in the game, yep, yep. I had him in a bunch of different things. Anytime touchdown, same game parlays. Mm. If that would have hit, we'd be, uh, well, Jack and I'd be going out for a big-time <laughs> lunch here this afternoon. Instead, uh, might be McDonald's for him and a Happy Meal. But not too bad overall. Yeah, the anytime, that was such a fun thing. And I saw, though they did trademark it, Ken, there were a lot of different sports books that all of a sudden had squares up in a very similar fashion to Circa as the weekend progressed. Miller and Condon back uh, on Des Moines Sports Station, 106. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, welcome back. Final couple of minutes. We should have betting totals maybe by our show tomorrow. How much money was wagered in the state of Iowa? Uh, i got Brian Rilko going to funnel me that information as soon as it comes public. So um, we'll know. 16 million was what was bet last year just north of that we'll see if it goes over Trent before we get your play of the day just real quick on this uh, I wish we could bet this but of course the Rams will open up on a Thursday night here are their nine home games you get the picket Mr. Schedule Maker uh, Bills okay. Bills Broncos Raiders Cowboys Panthers Falcons Niners Cardinals Seahawks Bills, Cowboys were the, t- the two that jumped off the page to me. Ditto, I'd throw yeah, one more in there. Yeah, let's go with America's there. team. I'd go throw one more in there. 
Well, you know what? Maybe I wouldn't because if the if it's the Niners, half the building will be 49er fans, and you don't want right, that. Exactly. I think you're right, Trent. I think it's the Bills of the Cowboys. Play of the day in our final minute. What are you doing tonight? Uh, we're going to go back to the well. Last Monday, I gave you four picks, four winners. Let's go four again. We're going to start in just over an hour. My Seahawks, <laughs> UNC Wilmington. They're laying 12 against William & Mary. The Tribe stink. Grab UNCW. Also going with another favorite tonight in the Big 12. K-State off the win against Iowa State. Laying just three against West Virginia. Almost stinks there. Also going to jump aboard Oregon off a bad loss to Cal. They're laying five at home against Washington State. And wrap it up, the worst team in college basketball right now is Uwe Pui, UIPUI. They're asking for players anywhere on campus. Please come try out for our team. UIC is favored by 17. It's not enough. They stink. Four favorites tonight. Not usually what I do. But we will go to the well here and look for another four and zero presented by Circus Sports. You know, uh, I would have. Did you look at Oklahoma State, Kansas? And the only reason I bring it up is Oklahoma State. Of course, they're not eligible for the Big Twelve tournament or any postseason at all. I wonder if they play Kansas tough, thinking they don't have a lot of tournament, a lot of uh, you know uh, marquee opportunities left. I just wonder if they'll play Kansas tough. Did you look at that? I did. Ten and a half is the number. Yep. I leaned Kansas, but I'm kind of coming back your way of thinking. I think by tip-off, I might be playing the Cowboys there in the 10 and a half. Look after your son, Andrew Downs. Thank you for sitting in here on the other side of the glass. We appreciate that. Of course, Murph and Andy are now we're away. The Fanatics at 3. Iowa State Coaches Show tonight. Yes, indeed, at 630 right here on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO.